Hey everyone, Hogan here. I wanted to take a minute before the show starts to address something. We try really hard on Geekly Bi-Weekly to not have the show be too heavy, as it should be a thing you can go relax and listen to, but there is something we need to talk about. As of recently, there has been a spike in hate crimes against Asians in the U.S. It has ruined the Chinese New Year, a time of celebration for all people, by making them fear being able to go out and enjoy their traditions. In a time where we are able to slowly but steadily open up again amidst the pandemic, people of all races should be comfortable with going out into public spaces without the fear of losing their life due to someone seeing them as less human. It has come to the point that people have died and are dying because of racist rhetoric that had been spewed all over the TV from people all over the place, namely people like former President Trump. I wanted to take this time to say that we, the team over at Geekly Biweekly, stand with the Asian community just as they stood with the black community in our time of need. Neither of our fights are done until we stomp racism right in its ugly fucking face and kick it to the gutters where it belongs. There is no reason that this should be going on other than fear of nothing. That leads me to my next point. As the head of Geekly Biweekly, I speak for my team in saying that if you support the views of Trump are a follower of his, or condone his actions, fear-mongering, or views, we don't want your support on this podcast. We don't want you here, and we don't need you here. I'm not one to alienate people, but this is something that I feel very strongly about and have an unwavering opinion on. When you go out into the world, please be kind to one another, lift each other up, and never stop doing good for the sake of good. and Winter Soldier premieres Justice League is finally here and I guess a few other things well, whatever let's see what happens this week on Geekly Bi-Weekly everyone can't believe that it is already episode four but we're excited to still be here uh and yeah that was also kind of a stupid intro but you know maybe we'll keep it in. <laughs> hey listen we're trying we're trying our best over here it's a weird day today it is. um all right guys we've got a lot to talk about um we're not going to take a full four hours to review a four-hour movie no but not necessary that yeah that was unnecessary well not the movie not the four hours i feel um, we'll get into that in a minute. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> we're going to start with a little bit of Marvel on this episode, um, as we usually do. As uh, WandaVision is no longer here. Sad. But we do have Falcon and Winter Soldier, though. Yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier actually started off really good, in my opinion. What did you think about it? I definitely thought it started out great. Um, you know, I'm excited to see exactly... What happened, uh, my partner and I definitely had placed bets whether or not it was going to be Cap's funeral at the start or not, and uh, I lost that one. But, yeah, I definitely am I'm really looking forward to see where the rest of the show takes it. Okay, so then you bet that it was going to be, or that it wasn't going to be Cap's funeral. No, I bet that it was. Really? Uh, and instead it was just a memorialization to Cap, and he was like, yeah, no, they're not going to open it with Cap's funeral and I was like I don't know it it could be it could be and see I really thought they were going to as well but the way that they were talking about him like when they were like giving the whole memorial and whatever it they almost bordered like he was dead I don't think he's officially dead yet I feel like he's just kind of like oh yeah I'm quote unquote dead like the yeah. world doesn't see him anymore 
Like he's faking his death kind of thing. That was more what I got was that, you know, he set it aside. He was just essentially living his life. And whether people knew he was alive or dead really didn't matter, but he'd rather be dead. Yeah, he could be dead to the world, which I mean, it's cool because it's it's one of those things that he doesn't have to show his face anymore. And if he does, people, no one else is going to be like, oh, my God, he's still alive kind of thing. Like, I mean, in this world, though, there's always camera phones no matter where you're at. Mm -hmm. So you can't really keep that uh, anonymity yet. Anonymity? Uh, that's a word. Um, <laughs> Tongue twister. Yeah, it's one of those things that you can't keep it secret for too long. But, I mean, it is Cap, and I'm sure he'll, I'm sure whatever he's doing, uh, he's good. Maybe he is on the moon. Yeah, maybe, he is, maybe moon. he is. But I think he's really just at home relaxing with Peggy and going to bed at five. Uh, you know, <laughs> old man. <laughs> See, I want to say you're right, but also, um, I hate to be that guy. Peggy is dead. Yeah, no. She is, like, super, super dead. But, you know, new timelines, you never, you never know. You, yeah, one can because help. they did, you know, mess with so many timelines in Endgame. And we'll see what happens. I mean, it's only a six-episode run, so it's going to be fairly quick. Yeah. But I'm hoping each episode is going to be an hour, like the way that they premiered this uh, this first episode. 40 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, 49 minutes. It was still like eight minutes of credits with both the opening and the ending. Because, you know, you got to run through all the characters and the Marvel logo as you do. And then you've got the, you know, end credits, which I believe ended with another please stand by. But I could be mistaken. No, no, no. It was... um it was a uh, just like them running through like redacted information. Mm-hmm, yes. Uh, which the homies over at Nerdist, I say homies as if they even know who we are. <laughs> the homies over at Nerdist actually did a cool little rundown of the information that they were uh, saying on the end credits, which is a lot more than I thought it would be. Mm. And I can't remember most of it right now, so I'm not even going to try. So definitely go check that out. Like if you're listening to this right now, go check it out what they have to say over there. Yeah, maybe we can uh, link it on the Twitter yeah, most definitely we will. I have to actually, uh, we'll at Dan Casey with it and everything because, I mean, he knows we exist. That's kind of fun. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, I know. Hopefully we can get him on here eventually. Dan Casey, if you're listening, we love you. We do. We'd love to have you on. Um, but there is one thing that, or a couple things that I wanted to bring up about the show mm-hmm. is that, first of all, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Bucky, the Winter Soldier. I think he's a great character that didn't get as much depth as he should have in the movies. Yes, agreed. But in this show, he's getting much more, we're getting to see much more of him uh, than we did ever in the movies. Cause in the movies, it was just like, Oh yeah, I'm a tortured soul. Bang, bang, shoot him up. Kind of yeah. Thing. But in this, it's like you're going into more of his backstory and seeing all the shit that he went through. Mm-hmm. And all the things and that he's, he's remorseful trying- of too. Yeah, exactly. You're seeing him trying to, Make amends, as like he like they said in the show, he was making. Oh, this is spoiler territory, by the way. Because we should yeah. said that always with the spoilers. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you should know that this is not a spoiler-free show. Yeah, we we need to just um, include it in the intros from here on. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So maybe we'll re-record the intro, whatever. Um, yeah, it's it was really really gut wrenching to realize that that moment of realization that the guy that he was hanging out with that he takes out to lunch every mm-hmm. week was the father of the person that he killed yeah. at the beginning of his scene. And that what that for me was like, dude, what the hell am I watching? 
Truly, um, that was something that I kind of picked up on and was like, that could be a possibility towards the end of the lunch scene. And then as the waitress, I forget if she even had a name, so sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but when she was talking about how it's oh so sweet that you take him out, I was like, oh, it was his son that he killed at the beginning of yeah. his nightmare and when it turned out to be true it just definitely it hit hard yeah and i don't think i picked up on it like too quickly or too early uh it wasn't until he was talking about how his son liked the red bead mochi mm-hmm. that i was like oh no did he kill his son and then we got that, that confirmation like near the end yeah of the quote-unquote date which he just walked out on i wanted to see him like i don't know try his best i think honestly though that kind of was his best like not not to say that he couldn't be better later but at the same time he's a traumatized individual who uh didn't he didn't even sign up for this date he was thrown into it uh seeing the whole tortured soul like like storyline coming out uh, that they had in the comics originally coming out for him with the acting style and acting prowess of Sebastian Stan, like this guy is super, super great at playing the whole, that just that, that whole feeling mm-hmm. of, of winter soldier. And I don't think that they could have picked someone better for it. Truly though. And I mean, he was really great even in the bang, shoot him up and kind of his interactions with Chris Evans's captain America it was always really interesting um, from like the first movie but yeah, seeing his true range, and he, he truly is an incredible actor, but like he, he's been playing Bucky really, really well. And uh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. I feel like him and Chris Evans had very good chemistry, but also him and Anthony Mackie as well. like, together have really good chemistry together as well. Yeah, I'm excited to actually see them come together again. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's actually another thing that I wanted to bring up was Anthony Mackie's performance. He's he's always been great as Falcon. Mm-hmm. I've always loved him as Falcon. Um, but seeing him in a role where he's more with his family down in Louisiana yes. was a good switch up. And seeing as well kind of how he's trying to make amends to a point of being gone in a way and like just all of the depth and range that you don't get to see in a typical superhero movie. You, you don't get to see how they interact with their family as often. You don't yeah, get to exactly. see where it leaves their family when they just disappear. Or if they are, you know, when he's trying to use his fame to a point in order to secure that bank loan and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Like that was another, it was gut wrenching in another way. Like the, here he is trying his hardest to just make amends to his sister and his family by using his name and it just didn't work. Yeah. That was actually something that, uh, Kari Skoglin, the uh, director of winter soldier or Falcon and winter soldier was uh, bringing up and, and I guess talking about in their writing process for the show is that they are going to be discussing like racial inequality and racial subjects in this show. Uh, one of the things that they were talking about in, in an interview that they did on Nerdist was uh, redlining. 
that is so important and I'm really excited to hear that because yeah no I am too I mean it's something that's not really discussed in, in well I mean it is discussed in modern society but you never really see it brought up into uh, popular shows like this because people are like, Oh, it's the SJWs and they're trying to make it political. But Mm -hmm. stuff like this has always been political to the point that it's kind of underlying. I mean, you can't even go back to the original star Wars trilogy without it being almost a political stance and making it a political thing because that's how they let, that's how they let out what, what should be done. Mm -hmm. No, because in a perfect world you can you can make it however you want, and in their world they're showing it how it should or how it is, mm-hmm. and ways that it can be corrected. Yeah, and it honestly it's an important conversation that needs to be had. Seeing representations like that on the screen is really important because it does bring a bit of awareness in something that maybe people aren't expecting it to be political or whatnot, but it's still a very big part of our society nowadays. So talking about it is really important and having shows where, yeah, they're fun. Yeah, they're great. And they are very, very popular, but they aren't afraid to shy away of things like that is so huge. Most definitely. That's one of the things that you can't shy away from because it, it needs to be discussed. Yeah. You can't, you can't sweep it under the rug anymore. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But overall, I guess as far as the show, began and where it's headed i really feel like it's going to be a solid show despite the fact that like i said it's only a six episode run i'm really excited to see where it goes especially with the new um captain america i was uh, so upset was fucked up i was so upset but at the same time like that's something that absolutely would have happened it absolutely would have played out that way that all right fine you don't want to take up the mantle that he specifically chose to give you well then we're gonna throw in this sad white dude um (laughs) and just you know the wish version of captain america not yeah i'm sure the actor is lovely but he's the wish version of captain america He's actually, I want to say he's Kurt Russell's son. (gasps) Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I actually, you know, I'm horrible. I didn't look up who he was because I was still just upset that there was a potential new Captain America who was not what I wanted it to be. Um, But that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. Okay, I'm, I'm a little bit more excited to see him now then. Yeah, no, I would love to see him. I mean, his dad has already been in the in the MCU as it is, so I guess he's got to bring it up too. Yeah. But um, I really, oh my God, like I had a lot of feelings about what they did to Sam on that with, with the whole like, oh yeah, it's you did the right thing turning in the shield and all that bullshit. Like, yep. it felt so, uh, God, I can't even think of the word right now. It felt so undermining, I guess. It was yeah. like, we wanted you to give it to us willingly so that we didn't have to go and take it from you kind of thing. Yeah, it was very, like, undermining and maybe contrived. Like, is that the right word? I just... I want to say, yeah, Google. Tell me the... Uh, deliberately created rather than arising naturally or spontaneously. So, no, that was not... Yeah, <laughs> look at you with your big words. I love that. Yeah. Oh, man, but, yeah, it just felt so... It, it was such a dick move yeah. that you... Like, the U.S. government wouldn't have done it any other way, honestly. No, it, it, it was exactly what they would have done. Um, 
which is exactly why it made me upset. Uh. Exactly. <laughs> because, I mean, when you have the, the guy that was the face of America, Captain America, he was the guy for everyone. Mm-hmm. And he goes and picks a black guy to, uh, to succeed him. Yeah. You know that they were pissed about that. Oh, of course they were upset about that. And so that's exactly why they, they wanted that shield back. That way they could, again, slap the black guy in the face by putting a white dude in his place. Like Exactly. Yeah. But that being said, um, it does open up a lot of... Um, it opens up the possibility of them going into the uh, Red, White, and Black series that they did, that Marvel did mm-hmm. uh, back in January of 2003. It was, basically what it was, it was a series where they showed these African-Americans that were tested on originally before they perfected the Super Soldier Serum. Oh. And it really parallels it really parallels what happened with the real life experiments of the uh, the Tuskegee experiments, which mm-hmm. is a whole other thing you'd need to look into. I'm like I'm not saying you specifically, but if no, you don't know what they but, are, it's definitely something that needs to be looked into. Yeah. Um but it brings up the fact that we could be seeing Isaiah Bradley, who was the original black Captain America. That would be really like, cool. Back, yeah, that would be really, really cool to see because, once again, it brings up uh, racial issues and racial inequality. Uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that's something that they they at least touch on, mm-hmm. because that would be that would be super great. That I mean, this show, I'm already liking it a lot. I'm really excited to see what what they do with it. Yeah, me, uh, I, I am as well. Really excited to see where it goes and if. As you said, the director definitely pointed out, no, we are going to be talking about the racial inequalities. We are going to be talking about redlining. We are going to be talking about these very, you know, political things that need to be discussed and shown. Um, Then that really does bode well for that potentially happening. And that would be really cool to see on the screen. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the other five episodes and hoping that we get to see a lot more fun, a lot more action, and a lot more political discussion. <laughs> All right. Last bit of uh, Marvel news that I do want to talk about real quick. Um, I'm not sure if you had started watching it yet, but um, Marvel's assembled. I got to see clips. So I have ended up being really busy this week and was like, yes, I'm going to watch this. And then totally spaced on it. Um, Happens to the best of us. Yeah, but did you watch it? I want to know your thoughts. I got about halfway through it. I was eating dinner right after work, and I was, like, stupid tired. Um, it's fun. It's a really cool look at how they made these shows. or Not these shows, but the show that they're talking about right now is, is WandaVision. Mm-hmm. And the way that they went about it, especially, like, for the uh, the first two episodes, was really, really cool. And like I said, I only got halfway through the first episode. I'm not sure how many episodes there are going to be, or if it's just like a one and done kind of thing. It's like an hour long episode, yeah. but it, it's really interesting how they did it. Um, I'm not sure if you saw it, but like spoiler alert, the first two episodes when Vision was there, like in his Vision face, not like as a human, mm-hmm. 
his face was painted blue. Yeah, it was like this grayish blue. And also, vision with ears is something that will haunt my nightmares. (laughs) That is something strange to see. That is definitely strange. Yeah. Paul Bettany and the bald cap, the ears, and then the vision paint, (laughs) but the dots so that they can, you know... uh, Put in the head jam and all the extras. But... I've seen a lot of clips, you know, scrolling through Instagram and stuff like that. I get a lot of um, Marvel and DC content, oddly enough. Uh, So I've seen a lot of the shots that were kind of setting it up, but I'm really interested to actually sit down and watch the episode. And as well, I do hope that they do more assembled episodes because I was a little disappointed to hear that it was just the one, like one hour. I thought they were really going to break it down and go over really in depth what they did and talking to each of the departments. Well, so far there's only one that's one hour. I'm not sure how long or if we're going to be getting other ones. I'm actually going to go check that while we are talking. Um, But from what I read, from what I remember, they're actually supposed to be doing one for like the movies as well, like the big Avengers movies. That would be Like how they brought everything together with that as well. Yeah, that would be really cool to see because, you know, I – I feel like a lot of the behind the scenes folks don't always get a lot of credit. You know, you've got specific categories and things like that, at, you know, award shows and stuff, but you you don't really understand or uh, get to see exactly how much work goes into these shows by people that you're never going to know them. They're never going to be interviewed, you know, really, and, and giving them a little bit of time to shine. Um, so I think it's really cool that they're breaking things down and kind of showing how things are made. And I'm, I feel like a lot of people are really going to be interested in seeing that. Yeah, absolutely. It really, it really highlights the unsung heroes of the shows that make these shows look as good as they do. Yeah. Um, and like you mentioned, they do have like uh, special categories for them at award shows, but even then they're never shown. It's always done like during commercial break, which is a load of bullshit. Like I know people yeah. watch those to go and, and see like the big stars and see what crazy things happen. But like even the little guy or not even the little guys, I don't want to call them the little guys because they're not the little guys. Yeah. They make this shit happen. happen. <laughs> like you can have, you can have the biggest stars all in one movie and have them swinging shit around and looking cool. But if you don't have the visual effects guys or the sound effects or even like the the score, yeah, the, the score, the, the editors, the, you know. it's not going to look good. It's going to look terrible. Yeah, uh, you know, I did costuming and makeup in the past, and so like, yeah, if you don't have a good costumer, if you don't have a good makeup artist, that you're dead in the water there. Like, if you don't, if you don't have a good editor, if you don't have good sound designer, you know, there, there's so many things that go into creating, um, creating masterpieces that are getting awards and are talked about for generations, you know, and exactly. And, you know, like, like you said, even editors, I'm not trying to just like butter them up or anything, but like this show wouldn't sound as good as it does if we didn't have Matt. It's true. Straight up, it it wouldn't. If we didn't have Matt working his butt off to make sure that we sound good and that it's edited correctly, you know, the, uh, the individual who created our theme song, like if we didn't have him. Yeah. Emmanuel, like that's, that's my boy right there. Like the, the dude, uh, Corey that went and gave us our, um, our, our logo. Yeah. 
all like it's all about the people behind the scenes that make this shit work. Yeah, not just us. So thank you to all who have helped us as well, just because we're already on the topic. <laughs> Most definitely, most definitely. But like, speaking of people that make things work and um, make things, yeah, like work, I guess is the only really way that I can describe this. Um, Joss Whedon really fucked up Justice League. Truly. Oh my God. Like the, okay. Okay. I I know we're going to get into Justice League. Let's let's switch up gears for a minute. Actually, not even for a minute. This is going to be like the bulk of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, the rest of the episode, um, probably. <laughs> oh, my God. What a different movie. Well, and the thing that baffles me is that Zack Snyder was only allowed to shoot one new scene. That was all stuff he had already shot. From my understanding. Really? What one scene did he reach or did he shoot? The nightmare apocalypse scene at the very end of the movie. Batman's nightmare. And it was a very important scene for him to shoot. But all of the other things, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, those who are listening, um, was all things he'd already shot that they just canned. Oh my God. Yeah. The original cut. Or no, the the Zack Snyder cut for this movie was four hours and two minutes. Uh, In accordance with Warner's runtime limitations, the Justice League theatrical cut is exactly 120 minutes long, two hours long, and that's including credits. Oh, geez, yeah. How do you take out half of the movie and expect it to be a coherent thing? I, I honestly don't know. And as well, the Warner executives and those involved have outwardly come out and said, yeah, we were upset that it was as bad as it was. Well, you you also put a cap on it and, and you gave yeah. it to a director who just isn't where he used to be. Like, Joss Whedon used to be a huge name back in the day, and he just isn't because as well, allegations and all that other crap. He's... Mm, problematic person but uh yeah you just you you can't give a a time limit of half the movie and expect it to be all right and exactly and it truly didn't make sense (laughs) it really did not make sense i remember watching it the first time uh the the first time being um the only time that i watched the joss whedon cut and I remember seeing it, and I was like, oh, there's a lot of good laughs in this. There's, like, it's visually, it's pretty, it looks it looks good, but it, it's substance. It's a, um, God, I want to say the scientific term uh, is a shit movie. Uh, yeah. And it's just, it was just all over the place. And watching Zack Snyder's kind of it, where he goes and cleans literally everything up, like, you know, like from the opening scene to the main villain, Steppenwolf, his design to, I mean, they even gave Cyborg a backstory. How, how are you going to take one of the biggest people in that movie and cut out his entire backstory? Yeah. His entire backstory and just so much. Like I, I didn't, I didn't understand why they didn't give Victor any substance in the first movie. Um, I was really disappointed that Barry, the Flash, was just entirely made to be the comic relief character in the Joss Whedon version. 
Um, yeah. Because, yeah, well, they kind of talked about how, oh, yeah, these two are geniuses. And, you know, they just kind of were those characters, you know, in the background in the Joss Whedon cut. The fact that, I mean, even in discussing whether or not they were going to revive Superman, the difference in those two scenes alone. In the Joss Whedon cut, it's just Batman and Wonder Woman talking about how they're inadequate to be leaders they just, you know, they got to bring Superman back. That way they have someone to lead the team. And then in the Zack Snyder... Which was bullshit, but go on. Yeah, well, and it just... It's kind of... They're both strong people, like, you know. But in the Snyder Cut, it's the entire team coming together to really discuss why they feel like Superman should come back. And that's because he's really the strong one to defeat Steppenwolf, which is why Steppenwolf finally came back to Earth after Superman was dead. You know, just... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying is that there was a lot going on in this movie yeah. that the, the Joss Whedon cut did not pick up on, not even a little bit. Not even um, a little. One thing that I did notice watching this one, and I'm not trying to, like, insinuate anything or, like, make it seem like he is that kind of person, but there was a lot of people of color that were cut out from the Joss Whedon version as opposed to the Zack Snyder version. Yeah. Like, a lot, to the point where even in the battle scene where they were showing, originally, um, I want to say it was Darkseid. I keep wanting to call him Darkseid because of the way his name is spelled, <laughs> but Darkseid Dark going to Earth to fight, like, what, the Amazonians, the Olympians? Sorry, no, those are kind of the same people. Um, the Atlanteans, the Amazonians, and the humans. Mm-hmm. Like, even people in those armies were erased for no fucking reason. Yep. Just to not have them because, yeah, it just, uh, it upsets me. But <laughs> it really, it really feels like the whole white savior rhetoric. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not about it. Like, <laughs> you can't tell me that the Amazonians. And the Atlanteans and even the humans, only white people were there. Are you kidding me? Well, but I mean, look at our history books. Like, look, look at I've the way. I've looked at our history books for long enough. It just, that's the whole thing is it, it completely erases that people of color are around. Uh, guess what? They, ex they exist all yeah. the time. Um, kind of important. So, yeah, it just, it. It really upsets me. It was such a simple thing that he didn't have to do, and yet it just it, it whitewashes it. It whitewashes the narrative. Like I, I see what you're saying about representation, and I completely agree, because when I was coming up, I didn't have a lot of heroes to look up to. I had, I want to say, Green Lantern on the Justice League show, like the cartoon, um, Static Shock, those are the two that I can name off the top of my head. Yeah, that's... Cyborg on Teen Titans. Like, that's not okay. Kids nowadays are getting a lot more representation than I got at that age. I mean, you've got so many different black characters. you got so many different brown characters. you got uh, individuals with disabilities that are still, like, out there kicking ass mm -hmm. and showing people that this can be done. Yep. And the fact that it wasn't done in my time and age when I was coming up and looking for heroes to look up to and looking for inspiration and stuff like that, 
it, I don't want to say it feels criminal because I'm not mad that the, the newer generation is getting it. I'm really like super stoked that they are because they fucking deserve that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But, but I am mad that the generation before me didn't see that it was necessary. Yeah. And I mean, as an individual with disabilities myself, cause I'm half deaf and have a shoulder disability. Like it is, is really cool to see representations of deaf characters on the screen, representations of, you know, people who they are having to learn different ways to do things, but it, it's important. You didn't always see that seeing, and you know, it's going off into a completely different tangent, but seeing characters using sign language in shows and movies that are mainstream is really cool. And mm-hmm. you know, that, it wasn't as done back then. So yeah, having having good characters with range and showing the true spectrum of our society and our population is, is really cool. And I'm glad that we're finally getting more representation on all accounts. And not only that, like seeing that and everything is, is super great, but oftentimes when you saw stuff like that back then, back then, I mean like 15 even yeah, 10 not years that ago long ago. <laughs> it was like those people were the butt of a joke. They were a punchline. Mm-hmm. And it was something that, like, even at that age kind of bugged me. I was like, but they're more than that, you know? Like, they're the, these are people. These are people with lives and feelings. And call me a bleeding heart liberal all you want, but th- these are these are humans that deserve respect. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was it was really good to see that even just in little scenes like that in the Snyder Cut, there was more representation. Um, most definitely, most definitely. Also, it was really, really good to see that they cut out that ugly fucking opening where they like photoshopped <laughs> Henry Cavill's mustache out. Yep. What the hell was that, Whedon? Dude, I want to like you. Like it's it's getting harder and harder to like you by the day. Yep. Like it's really bad. Well, and it just the the new opening of Superman's cries ringing around the world like it was it was really powerful and cool to see but also i could not help while sitting there watching it going all right diana's fine i get that she's something else but how is batman not just completely deaf at this point like that it rang around the world yeah yeah exactly (laughs) exactly exactly um oh my god there was just so much of this movie that's just so crazy also also, um, a shout out to my girlfriend, my wonderful girlfriend. Um, she saw Steppenwolf, the main bad guy. Mm-hmm. And she was like, why does his armor look like it's made out of staples? Oh my gosh, I hadn't even put that together, but it is It true. looks like staples. So we like for the rest of the, ep- or the rest of the movie, we called him Staple Wolf. That's just what we call him. <laughs> And that's what will forever be his name. I mean, genuinely, go look him up. Like, if you're listening right now. Go look at the armor. Go look at his his new armor. It looks like a bunch of staples. That being said, compared to his old armor, the Joss Whedon version, his whole design is just so vastly different. And I really liked it. It was how he looked. You know, it was closer to how he looked in other movies. Um, 
So it really was taking it back to the original design that was intended. Um, and he, he was intimidating. Far more intimidating, intimidating than the weird kind of white guy. Like, maybe he's a other creature thing, but I don't I don't know. It was just very... I hated the Whedon design. It was so it was so bad. The Whedon design, he just looked like a dude. Yeah. He just looked like a guy. He looked like a white dude with a skin condition. And it really felt like, because I'm looking at it right, like literally right now as we're talking about it, it looks like they were trying to go almost too, um, too much of a Thanos look. Yeah, I can see that. While Steppenwolf was supposed to have an alien look. I mean, if you look at the new design of him from the, the new movie, he's he's got this whole fucked up nose and much more of a square jaw and square outline mm-hmm. and his armor which i keep going back to i know i know we're making Staple fun wolf. of it but i really really like it i like the fact that it's reactive and that mm-hmm. it it moves to what he needs yeah and then it just yeah his design really was interesting and really a cool take on seeing it on the screen yeah, there was a there was a scene where he was um, going after the mother box in uh, Themyscira when he was fighting mm-hmm. the Amazons, and they shot like arrows at him, and like the the armor didn't just catch it; like it took it. And then at one point, like he goes to like give chase again, and he kind of like flexes and breaks all the arrows, yep. and I was like instantly, I was like, that was fucking cool. Yep. And my girlfriend was like, that was fucking lame, and I was like, what are you talking about? She hated everything about this movie. Really? She didn't like it? She could not stand this movie. You know what? Hello, dearest. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am well. Hey, just want to let you know that you're going to be on the podcast right now. Um, We're talking about uh, uh, Justice League, right? And I needed to get your opinion because I want to make sure that I'm like representing you properly. How did you feel about the movie? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Because I said that you fucking hated this movie and I just want to make sure that you are uh, getting the right representation. Um, I hated that movie. It was awful and I never want to see it again. There it is. <laughs> Straight out of her mouth. Literally straight out of her mouth. And she's still going on about it right now. I'm not sure that the mic is picking it up, but she is. <laughs> she is so mad about it. It was not really bad. We're talking about this later. I will talk to you in a minute. Okay, love you, bye. Love you, bye. <laughs> straight out of her mouth. Look at that. You saw it. I don't know what she was watching. She was even drunk when she was watching it. How that do you hate this movie while okay, drunk? Okay, that was, that was the thing. I intentionally, because I did not like the first movie. I watched it with my partner. He loved it. He, it was like watching it with a giddy kid. Like, not <laughs> just, he the entire time, he would like kind of clap his hands or he'd be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that character. <laughs> it was, it honestly made the viewing experience that much better. Um, I, yeah. I thought there was definitely aspects of it that I was like, oh, okay, that was a little lame or, oh, that was meh. But I, I really enjoyed it. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It, it was a fun movie. I'd watch it again, even though it's a beast of a movie. Um, but I've watched four-hour movies in the past simply because it was enjoyable. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I am baffled that she didn't know that because I, I was drinking too, and it was a fun experience. 
Well, okay. So my thing is like, like you said, it is a four hour movie. It is a, it's, it's hard to sit through a four hour movie, but the way that Zack Snyder, that Jack Snyder did this movie is that (laughs) he broke it up into six separate pieces. So if you want to, you can really watch it like a, um, like a mini series. Yeah. Watch it episodically almost. Yeah. Because like between each part, it like cuts to black and says like, part two or like whatever part you're going on to mm-hmm. so that you know exactly where you can stop. Yeah. And, um, I know cause we were watching it on the PlayStation. Like you can specifically skip to the different chapters too, um, which was kind of interesting. So that is nice. Yeah. Definitely made for easier viewing, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I as well, one of the things I really loved, I'm going to bring it up again. Barry, was so good in like oh yeah barry carried this movie i love ezra miller as the flash just did such an incredible job and i loved that you actually got to see how fucking smart he was you actually got to see him and hear like him breaking you gotta break the rules barry you gotta break the rule uh, like that just was such a powerful thing instead of in the Whedon cut where it's like, oh, we've got this big battle going on. Flash, go catch this family. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? He is a powerful part of the team. And the fact that's uh, I'm just going to say he's the strongest member of the team. Yeah. Like he can legitimately break time. Um, exactly just, as they showed in the movie. Yes, and I loved the scene where you know you've got him hyping himself up, hyping himself up, and then he kind of wobbles into the you know the difference of time, and so it then reverses Cyborg and Superman. Yeah. It was so cool, and then like him, there's several points uh, when he's saving all the uh, people in the building while. He's jumping around and it does this little for his theme. It was so I just I, I loved yeah. every part of it. It was great. I really feel like like Ezra Miller really played this role really really well. Um, I know I just said really a bunch of times, but hey, you had to Ezra sit Miller through, did a great yeah. What's you that? had to sit through me horribly reenacting his theme. So yeah, it really is or no. Problem. No, honestly, it was gorgeous and I loved it. <laughs> and um, if Matt has the time, I want him to find exactly what you're talking about. And no, we can't play the clip. That's copyright. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be copyright. I think it's if it's under ten seconds, you can do it though. Well, I swear to God, we'll find out. I'll even go look for it. Um, but no, Ezra Miller was super great in this movie. He was, I mean, he's great in what he does. He's a, he's a really good actor. He's, he's a solid actor for sure. But he was much more than just the, the comic relief in this movie. Mm-hmm. He really was able to show off not only his powers, but like his thought process. And it really felt like... Oh God, I guess the only way to describe it is like, like say, like think of your favorite band, right? Mm-hmm. And then that band comes up to you and was like, hey, uh, we need you to fill in on guitars for one show. Mm-hmm. And how starstruck he was around like everyone else there. That's how it felt. Yeah. Because it felt like a kid, like around his favorite people that he didn't think that he'd ever get out or ever get to hang out with. Well, and that was something that was really cool where he was talking to his dad, especially at the end, like as he's about to save 
the universe. Um, and he's like, you know, dad, you just got to know I am one of the greats, you know? Yeah. That, oh my God. I almost started crying. It was just, it was such yeah, a beautiful. Yeah, no, that definitely gave me chills. Yeah. It was a beautiful moment. And then again, like, because specifically it's going to kind of change the topic a little, but like at one point in that same scene where he's saving everybody and he has to move Wonder Woman out of the way, like in the Joss Whedon version, it totally kind of objectifies her by like having him on top of her. And this time it was just like, no, he, he didn't even need to. Wonder Woman didn't need saving and he just kind of got out of the way and everything's fine. Like it just, ah. Uh, yeah, thing is, and I get what you're saying, and it really goes back to Joss Whedon's. I think I, I guess I want to say like his um, his hero complex, mm-hmm. like his his white savior complex. Yeah. Um, and I swear to God, I'm not trying to make this a whole racial thing or a, a big a big thing no, like but that. It but it needs to be said. It really is how Joss Whedon is. Yeah. Well, in the Consistent objectification of Diana, Wonder Woman, in the Joss Whedon version, it was kind of upsetting. Like, not kind of. It was upsetting yeah. to me. Um, yeah, most definitely Like, all was. the ass shots, all the, like, tight close-ups where it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to pan up from behind yeah. her in order to get this one little shot. Like, no, that wasn't necessary. That was stupid. And I love the in the Snyder Cut, there wasn't any of that. Like, she was... Well, no, 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 don't get me wrong. There were, there were like a couple shots, but they weren't, it, it, it didn't feel super male gaze. Yeah. Is okay. My thing. That, that's fair. Um, there were a couple shots that they were in there, but I feel like it was more of a circumstance kind of mm-hmm. thing, not just to show off like, oh, hey, look at Gal Gadot's ass. Like, yeah. we get it. She's attractive, but like, she's also playing a superhero where, she, I don't want to say she's like super covered up. But she's wearing, like, warrior's clothes. Yeah, she is a warrior. She is a badass. Like, I mean, besides the titty armor. But, like... That, you know. That's her whole thing. She's a badass. Yeah. She doesn't need saving to a point. Like, you know... That's exactly. And as well, just... I love how they fleshed out all the characters. Yeah. Victor and Cyborg, like, having that relationship and really going into the nuance of him and his family. That was really cool to see. We didn't get any of that in the original version. Yeah. Well, not only that, but we also saw, um, we saw him going at like, uh, I want to say economic struggles of people that are, are underprivileged. Mm-hmm. I want to say. Yeah. And how he was able to just change that up for one person mm-hmm. and seeing the little ways he could change things. Yeah, exactly. That being said, um, there was one thing that bugged me about him. Mm-hmm. It was like like they spent a whole a whole scene like a whole ass scene showing off that he is like the most powerful being on earth and he can change anything at any point that he wants mm-hmm. and yada 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 like all that fun stuff and then Superman comes back and all of a sudden his armor is like oh hey uh, danger I'm gonna shoot at him and you can't control me I'm sorry yup that it wasn't. I don't know. I get what they were trying to do where it's like, oh, well, my my senses sense danger. But, like, come on now. It just, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, at one point, it's like, that seems a little weird. Like, you can't control your own shit. But that was also a consistency, one of the few consistencies between both the Whedon and the Snyder Cut. Yeah. 
they were two very different cars. They were, it was the same plot, mm-hmm. but two very, very different movies. Vastly, from the get-go, it was a different movie. Exactly. Even the color palette was different. Yeah. Like, and I liked that. I, I like Zack Snyder's uh, choice of color palette because it felt a little bit more bleak. It felt more like a... Uh, like a DC movie. Mm-hmm. It did. It felt it felt almost like a DC comic to a point, you know, like Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Um there was a lot in this movie. There was actually one point in it that watching it I gasped out loud mm-hmm. and my girlfriend was like, What? And I was like, I can't believe they actually just did that. Like they showed this character. When John Jones, Martian Manhunter, <gasps> showed up in that scene, I absolutely lost my shit. Yeah, my my partner did the exact same thing. He literally was like, "Oh my god, Martian Manhunter!" I was like, "Like how?" I'm trying. I'm trying really hard to keep it together. But how the fuck are you gonna go and cut that out, Joss Whedon? I know! What is your issue? There were so many, so many things. Like, why? Why that? It's such a cool scene. It was, it was so pivotal to see this character. Like, come on! You had, you had an entire, like a whole ass movie set up for you. Mm -hmm. Literally, all you had to, like, it was a big ass email. I get it. So, (laughs) you gotta look over it and kind of thing. All you had to do was hit send. Yup. And you could have gotten so much credit. And no, 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 like, I don't want to blame the whole thing on Joss Whedon. I would like to, but I can't. Um, Sadly. WB fucked it up as well. Yeah. And it really shows that the only thing that is holding a DC movies back is WB. Yeah. And I feel like they're starting, you know, the DC characters are, or movies are starting to kind of find their footing. But then every time that they do... WB fucks it up. Like, come, come oh, on, guys. definitely they do, right? Um, I was talking with a friend, and she brought up a really good point, and that is that I think the biggest issue, this is me quoting her, the, the biggest issue with DC movies is that they have rebooted them so many times, you almost don't want to get invested in the iteration. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that was just like a red light to me because it just yeah ding 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 there we go it that's exactly what it is and i mean they have shown potential to create really fun movies and really give the fans what they want but then it's like right at the last minute they drop the ball because just eh, it's fine like we we can just reboot it if we don't like it yeah and they, they, uh, WB has such a mentality that like, if this isn't good, we can try it again. We can keep trying until we hit the ball, but are we, until we hit the, the mark, but like, at what point are you going to be like, okay, we keep fucking uh-huh. this up. Well, and like they need to, they need to buckle down and get good people in on these good characters that they have already established for years Yeah, and get that moving. Because as well, we want to see Justice League stuff. We want to see Flash movies mm-hmm. and Cyborg movies and, you know, more Aquaman. And we, we want to see these characters. We want to see Martian Manhunter and how it all comes together. And yet they're just really focusing on, oh, Batman. Oh, Superman. Batman, Superman. Eh, it's not working. Reboot. <laughs> like, well, then when are we going to get shit? <laughs> 
Also, for the love of God, give us a good Green Lantern movie. Yes, it was really cool to see Green Lantern even briefly in uh, the fight with the Amazonians, Atlanteans, and the humans and Steppenwolf. That was really cool to see. No, that was actually against, um, what's his name? Uh, Darkseid. Oh, yeah, it was Darkseid. Sorry. Yeah, he got his shit handed to him. That was funny. Yeah, it was. Um, But yeah, no, I completely agree. My thing is, like they like you said, they they keep wanting, they keep just being able to, and they keep saying, oh yeah, we could just reboot it. It's not that big of a deal. Like we get it. You have money, cool flex, but give us quality shit. <laughs> cool flex, Batman. We we want quality. <laughs> I I don't know if I can watch Batman's parents die again. Honestly, like it's, it's old. between that and watching Uncle Ben die. I, I can't do it. I'm going to jump into the screen and kill them myself. <laughs> it just, it's as well. It's the same stories. They're not, they're not progressing anything. And that, that's what we really want to see. And that's something that I thought the Justice League Snyder Cut really brought forward was it really was fleshing out these characters. It was fleshing out the possibility for new stories. It was fleshing out the possibility for more movies. And I'm really afraid we're not going to get that. I know Snyder in the past has said that they're not moving forward with it. And, you know, hopefully that'll change. But I'm really hoping that this changes. Yeah, it just, there was a lot of real cool setup in this four hour movie because they had the time to do it. And he had the time to really flesh it out and make it exactly how he wanted it. And I think it, it really did benefit everyone. Like, you know. It was really popular. It's been very popular, even among critics and fans. Um, yeah, exactly. So hopefully this will kind of give WB the kick in the butt that they need of like, no, let's continue this. Well, I want to say that it, it it it's popular because it's finally giving DC fans exactly what they deserve. It's giving mm-hmm. DC fans what Marvel has been giving Marvel fans for years upon years now. Yeah, because it's what when you look at the original Iron Man, you look at the original Captain America and the Incredible Hulk and all that, they they were not the Marvel movies that we now come to expect. They're still really fun, they're still really great and enjoyable, but they still had to start somewhere. And now they are giving us the content that we really want and have been able to do so for a long time because Marvel and the studios working with them have recognized that this is what the fans want to see. And ultimately, we are working to produce stuff for the fans. So let's give them what they want. And that's something that DC, they just haven't done because the studio doesn't recognize the benefit of that. So... I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, DC fans have deserved better for a long time. Yeah. And every time they get little glimpses, it's like, okay, maybe it'll be all right. Maybe it'll be all right. They just pull the plug or, you know, and I, pull the plug or sweep the rug. Like it's, nope. it's one or the other. I don't get it. Yeah. And, uh, so hopefully WB, you, you do the right thing and give us more of what was fleshed out in this movie. Cause Exactly. That really yeah, cool. just like you said, um, WB, do us all a favor and get your head out of your asses. <laughs> I want to see good DC con- uh, like content, like it between this movie, um, Wonder mm-hmm. Woman, 
And actually, I haven't even seen Shazam. I heard how good it is. I need to watch that yeah, movie. Yeah, I sadly haven't either. Because again, I was kind of burned. Like, I, I've enjoyed the other movies to a point, but I definitely see the problems in them. And, you know, yeah, it just... Well, yeah, but what I'm saying, like, like between those three movies, the those three being, like I just said, Wonder Woman, Shazam, and Justice League, um, these these were quality. They were great. I could watch these multiple times kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe Justice League a little less because that one's super Again, four hours is a long beast of a movie, but four hours was really beneficial for this. (laughs) Yeah, it was because it fleshed out the entire story that they didn't want to, I guess, um, flesh out in other movies. Like there was, there was a whole lot more setup in this movie that could have been done uh, if they'd taken the time to do what Marvel did and have it, I guess, spread across multiple movies, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, really... That being said, they did good. They did very good. This movie, this Justice League movie, I want to say, and I don't say this often, or and I, I don't take this lightly when I say this, I want to say Justice League is the best DC movie there's ever been. Dang, that is a very big statement. I, I don't know if I'm quite there, but I, I definitely think that this is one of the best that they have produced, especially in this iteration of it, because I'm, I'm a sucker for yeah. some of the older movies, even as cheesy and as, you know, not fleshed out as they are. But yeah, I mean, this it really did a great service to the DC fans, and I, I think it's pretty close. Now, I'm letting you know, I'm going to be pissed off if they had all this set up they set up john jones they set up the fact that we could be seeing uh, the lanterns mm-hmm. soon they have what's his name uh cyborg going and growing as a person and i guess like forgiving and learning more about himself yeah. you've got the flash movie that's supposed to be coming out flashpoint mm-hmm. which is going to have michael keaton coming back to play um bruce wayne mm-hmm. love that um i'm going to be pissed off if these things and the way that this movie played out doesn't influence what's going to happen in the future, Agreed. because it had a really good setup for a lot of other uh, IPs that can be coming out and should be coming out. I mean, they've already canceled. I want to say they canceled the cyborg movie, which they shouldn't have. No, they shouldn't have because as well, this really did set up for a cyborg movie. It did it set up for the cyborg movie. It set up for flashpoint. It, it really set up a lot. Oh, over, actually, according to Screen Rant and uh, Comic Book Resources, uh, just the headline says, Zack Snyder regrets not setting up Ray Fisher's Cyborg movie before Justice League. I can kind of understand that because, once again, it's one of those things where you've got, you can do a lot of setup in these movies, both with their backstory and with what's going to come, like how they did with, um, with Captain America and the Cosmic Cube. Yeah. Like you have you have all these different things that are going to be coming together all the way at the end that could have been set up throughout the different movies. Mm-hmm. It, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. Most but definitely I'm, it'll be interesting. I'm going to be real pissed too. I'm going to be pissed if if it doesn't happen and we don't get these movies because again, I, I want DC fans want to see it. And there, there was so much fan service 
in this movie and not just because all the guys were taking their tops off. <laughs> exactly. That being <laughs> said, um, in the Aquaman scenes, mm-hmm. there was one character in there that I did not expect to see mm-hmm. and that I absolutely loved seeing on the big screen again. And that was Willem Dafoe. I know. Having him, when I saw him in the credits, I was like, yes. <laughs> I fucking love Willem Dafoe. Who doesn't, really? Like, if, Bad people. If, terribly awful people don't like Willem yeah, Dafoe. Well, we don't talk about those people because they're terribly awful exactly. and ruin the vibe. Exactly. They are Dafoes. <laughs> We're only looking for Dafoes. <laughs> That was horrible. I know. It was bad. Please keep that one in there. I'm so proud of that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Oh, that was Um, good. (laughs) That was so bad. That was so bad. Anyways. um, Oh, my God. I I, want to segue over to... uh, Spider-Man news because I just remembered something that I had read. Yes. Um, but we're not done with Justice League just yet. So we'll have to bring up Willem Dafoe near the end of this. Um, and then I can bring up uh, Spider-Man. But anyways, I want to, I want to hear your final thoughts on, on this movie. What, what, what did we think? What, did, would you watch it again? Would you suggest it? Yes. I actually have suggested it um, because my parents are not, a big fan of this DC iteration. They really loved Wonder Woman. I think that's really the only movie uh, that my parents have watched, the, both the Wonder Woman movies. And then they, I think my mom said she may have watched uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman on an airplane. But I told them, honestly, you should check it out because it was a lot of fun. Um, I think that ultimately it was really great. I feel like the one complaint that I have is just the amount of kind of excessive slow-mo that was used. There was there was a lot of slow-mo that could have kind of been trimmed down a little bit. But honestly, that's me just kind of nitpicking the movie. I think it did a great job um, giving the fans what they wanted. I think ultimately it is one of the better, if not up at the best, of the DC movies that have come out. And yeah, I, I would watch it again. Easily. Good, good. Um, I too would watch it again. Uh, I've suggested it to my mom. She wants to watch. I don't want to say she wants to watch it, but I've told her because it is a four-hour movie. Like I mentioned earlier, to watch it in like the different the different parts. Mm-hmm. Watch it piece by piece, like maybe over the course of a week or something. Yeah. Um. Definitely, I would suggest this movie. I felt like it was good. I think my biggest gripe. I, I know you mentioned that. There was too much slow mo for you. I'm a slut for slow mo shots. <laughs> I love I love shit like that. Um, but I think my biggest my biggest issue with it was actually cyborg. Oh, interesting. My biggest issue with that was cyborg because he, it was too much CGI. There was no practical effect on him at all. Yeah. Um, and he looked CGI. Like like there's points where where you could have i guess you could have the cgi in it but it looks smooth but his movements were not smooth at all i think it felt clunky almost not to interrupt but like i think one of the reasons why that didn't bug me as much is because i 
the week before watched the original Justice League, and the CGI in the Whedon cut makes this look like a masterpiece. So I think that's why I was maybe a little bit more forgiving of it. But you do bring up a really good point because it could potentially not age well. We always know that with CGI, it, it's hit or miss how it ages. So mm-hmm. that will definitely play a factor later. But continue. But one thing I am going to say is I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it, I don't want to say credit, but uh, some leniency because, or his movement some leniency because he was new. Mm-hmm. He was just getting used to having this new body. So, I mean, I would understand it, looking at it from the point that he's still trying to figure out how to move around and, I guess, control everything that he's got going mm-hmm. on. Um, that was my biggest issue with this movie. Uh, also, yeah, you know what? There was one more other thing. Um I am a big music person. I, I make music myself. I play music. Um, the score was forgettable. Yeah. Like they brought in the different themes from the different characters. A couple of them hadn't even had really, hadn't really had the themes established for them. Mm-hmm. But like, and I know I keep referencing Marvel movies because I'm a Marvel guy. That's what I do. But like, in the Avengers movie, you had, like, the original Avengers movie, you had, like, Iron Man's theme play here and there. Mm-hmm. And then you had, like, Hulk and Thor and Captain America's themes, and they were playing here and there, but then it all, like, came together at one point. Like, in that one scene, I know, and I'm sure you know exactly what scene I'm talking about, where it does, like, that circle shot of mm-hmm. them, like, as they're getting ready to, like, really go and kick ass. And it really hits a, hits us with a da 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 da. Mm-hmm. Or is that how it goes? You know what yeah. I'm talking about. Um, look at that. We both did music in Yay. the podcast today. Um, I'm not the only one. And it really brings it together to the point that, like, you hear it outside mm-hmm. of the world, like outside of the movies, and you're like, "Where are the fucking Avengers? I got I got to suit up. I'm I'm going with them right now," kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There, it, it didn't like. I know that the movie the movie score was done by Hans Zimmer. It didn't feel like Hans Zimmer, and I love him. Yeah. It just felt, it, I feel like it felt flat. I I definitely picked up on a lot of the smaller themes, because again, like, I, I picked up on the Flash theme. You've got the Wonder Woman theme. You had um, Batman and Superman. I didn't really catch one for Cyborg, and I'm not familiar with Aquaman, so if it played, I, I didn't know. Um, but the, the score itself was... Yeah, it is a little bit forgettable. The soundtrack, though, like the specific uh, versed songs that they were utilizing were, were pretty well done, in my opinion, but I'm not as much of a music gal as you are. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I I can agree with that. I um, It was one of the weaker points. I do like that they didn't go with any of Joss Whedon's choices, though. Yes. Because he tried to make it too... It felt like one long trailer. His, Joss Whedon's well, that's It felt like one long movie trailer. Kind of how he does things. But that is also a really good yeah. iteration of... that. It just It's like you expect the inner world to play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it, the, the person that's doing that voiceover is just Batman the entire time for some fucking reason. Yes. 
<laughs> also, quick, um, quick Batman love. His flexes throughout this movie were hilarious. Just like the yeah, you know, how'd you get it back from the bank? I bought the bank. Like it just. <laughs> <laughs> or when Barry was like, "Oh, what's your superpower?" He's I'm like, rich. "I'm rich." <laughs> that, that, that like there was there was a lot of really good one liners. Um, Ben Affleck as Batman. I know it's a controversial opinion. I kind of really love him. I was not as much of a fan of him in Batman v Superman. I just, you know, I I gave him a lot of shit. But he honestly, I really enjoyed him in this iteration of Justice League. Like, it, it was a lot of fun to watch Batman. I think you, you got to see a little bit more of the lightheartedness of him. And then the scenes of him and Alfred were so great. Because Jeremy oh, Irons... Jeremy Irons has my heart. Yeah, Jeremy Irons as Alfred was a joy to see. Um, and seeing kind of the love between Bruce and Alfred. And then he also... Alfred got more scenes with the other members. Yeah. That was really fun. You know, him trying... You know, uh, backseat tea making with Diana. And his... <laughs> You know, his interaction with Superman. It it was it was really fun. Yeah, Jeremy Irons is he's a treasure in everything he does. And the day that he passes is going to be a very dark day. Um Balling. I will be balling. But when he would talk, <laughs> when he would talk, no matter what he would say, it could he could literally just like like you said, when he was talking about making tea, I was like, That's Uncle Scar. That's fucking Uncle Scar. <laughs> I knew it. I knew he was still yep. alive. Yep. It just... Oh, I love that, man. Um, so good. So then, uh, before we finish officially talking about Justice League, who would win in a fight? Jeremy Irons, Alfred? Or, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, Michael Caine, Alfred. Oh, definitely Jeremy Irons. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. No, Jeremy Michael Irons Caine, great man, super tall. Well, Yeah, Jeremy Irons will kick his ass. Yeah, and again, I think... You know, I think Michael Caine definitely has his moments, uh, especially his other filmography. He has some fantastic films, incredible actor. But, like, Jeremy Irons could run laps around him all day. Uh, just all day. beat him down. I'm sure physically as well. <laughs> like, literally physically, he could just run around him and... Michael Caine with his British accent would be like, where are you? Yeah, but at the same time, I want to see them both, like have an insult battle like that's that's really where i think it's at like let's just battle the wits let's go and i still think irons would pull ahead but i just i want to hear the one-liners that would come from that right right they do this thing on bbc where it's it's i can't remember exactly what it is but like they have people insult each other face to face and it's super great i'll have to look it up to find out exactly Mm -hmm. what it is and i'll send it to you anyways um but we're talking about voices and Jeremy Irons. How I'm like, oh, like I love Jeremy Irons' voice. I know I can. I keep mm-hmm. saying it, but um, Willem Dafoe's voice is also super great. So good, and he was in this movie, and uh, that's how I'm going to segue into the Spider-Man. <laughs> Perfect segue. Um, I try. I'm. I just think I'm so great at you this. Could be. I, I. You know. I try real hard. Mary Poppins, because you're practically perfect in every way. Wow, that is such a dream come true. I love that. Thank you for that. I'm going to be writing off of that for the rest of the week. Good. You deserve um, it. 
Willem Dafoe. Uh, where was I going with this? Spider Man. That's right. Um, I'm not sure if you saw, but it was deleted off his, his Instagram. Um, the stunt double for Andrew Garfield when he mm-hmm. was playing Spider Man mm-hmm. posted a video of him doing some stunts with Tom Holland's stunt double. Interesting. Yeah, they're trying really hard to cover it up. I bet. <laughs> but he tagged him in it. He, like, oh, I'm just saying, exciting. are we going to be seeing them in the, we're, mm, yeah. Spider-Man 3? There's been interviews with Holland where he gets very, very quiet about stuff like that. And then there's been lots of, like, PR where it's like, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So that leads me to think it is going to happen. Um, but you never know. You know, you never know where it's going to go. I hope so, though. I think it would be a lot of fun to see all the Spider-Mans and, like, I want, I want Defoe back. Yeah. <laughs> now... One thing that someone brought up um, is because we're supposed to be seeing Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland all in the same movie um, is how it's going to play out. And someone on TikTok, I can't remember their username, but they had a scene idea, and I want to play it out for you real quick. Okay. They were talking about like all of them fighting and getting the shit kicked out of each other and, and whatnot. Uh Long story short, they want Tom Holland to see Tobey Maguire, who's obviously aged mm-hmm. because it's been years since he's played Spider-Man, um, see him in his spider suit and like missing part of his mask and Toby to look at Tom and be like, oh yeah, dude, come on, get up. We, we need your help kind of thing. Like, and like pull him up after they had just been in a fight mm-hmm. and Tom to be looking at him all awestruck and whatnot and like, like, oh my God kind of thing like seeing another spider-man mm-hmm. and then end the scene with like uncle ben interesting if they have toby Maguire be uncle ben from a different universe i would scream that would be incredible yeah no like i i would ch- childish girly scream like just oh my god <laughs> Yeah, that would be like, really cool. Oh boy, I'm I'm really looking forward to this movie, and I'm really trying hard not to get my hopes up because yeah. I'm I'm sure it. I don't want to say it's. I'm sure it's going to be bad because I'm. I have a lot of expectations, a lot of things that I want to happen mm-hmm. that I'm sure aren't going to. Well, one of my expectations I know is not going to happen is Tobey Maguire swinging in for the first scene, going, "It's pizza time," like, but. <laughs> It's just not going to happen. I know that. I'm preparing myself. <laughs> okay, but if he says pizza time at least once in the movie, I'll be set. I will, yeah. I will, I will literally polite. throw money at the screen and be happy. Yeah. And then I will go get pizza afterwards. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. All right. We've got like two more things that we're going to cover real quick. Um, yeah. Just quickly power through them and then, yeah, we're good. And then that'll be the end of it. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. almost over already. Almost the end um, of episode four. This is our shortest one uh, so far as well. Yeah, it will be. Um, actually, you know, we're just going to cover this last thing because, oh no, two more things. Yeah. It's going to be the last thing. And then I'm going to need some help from Matt. Um, Sigourney Weaver. Yes. So there's 
rumors that we're going to get a Galaxy Quest sequel, which I'm excited for because that movie is my everything. Oh, yeah, that movie's super great. Okay, so in a recent interview with Collider, Weaver confirmed that a revival of the franchise is currently in the works. And, quote, they were in the middle of reviving it. First of all, there was another script. There was a sequel written by our writer, Bob Gordon. The movie was so witty, and when they released it, DreamWorks cut a lot of the wittiest scenes because they wanted to put it in as a children's movie at Christmas. So um, I think that that was disappointing for everyone, so he decided to let them have, not let them have the second one. However, it was about four years ago, Bob and producer Mark Johnson and the whole group started to develop a series. We lost the wonderful Alan Rickman unexpectedly, so that was put in mothballs, but I think now they're finally reviving it. So hopefully soon we'll be seeing a little bit more information on that. Yeah, I mean, that would be super great to see. I was going to bring up, like, how are they going to do this with Alan Rickman? That guy was such a powerhouse in that, in that movie. A legend. And, yeah, it's so important to the movie. But I, I think they can probably find a way to kind of memorialize him and the character uh, respectfully and then still end up with a pretty great film. Because I think the rest of the cast is set, like, I mean... I'm, I haven't heard anything about whether casting has changed or if everyone has signed on. But again, any excuse to see Sam Rockwell on the screen, too. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm set. Sam Rockwell, Sigourney Weaver, like, beautiful. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. And stare at their faces all day. <laughs> absolutely. I completely agree. Um, in other sequel news, there's also going to be, uh, because they're in the middle of... Uh, working on Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which I still got to watch mm-hmm. the first one. Um, according to, I can't remember where I read it, but I should probably find that out. Um, there is rumors going around that Ace Ventura 3 is in development from the writers over writers and producers of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, they've already got Jim Carrey over there working on that movie. Dang. So it makes sense that he would be on board with that kind of thing. But the biggest sequel news that we have to talk about before we go, Mm. there are new pictures released of Space Jam 2. Yes, I know the most important movie of all time, Space Jam 2. Most important, I mean... And put the air horns. Exactly. Where are you, Matt? We need you here. Um, (laughs) And it looks good. It looks good. The animation looks fun. And it looks like it's going to be a cool movie just from the pictures. Yeah. I, I know. I think we shared it on the Twitter. We may have also shared it on the Instagram. But that was, I believe, just the story. So if you do not know what we're referring to, check it out. Uh, because yeah, looks so good, so fun, and they're yeah, they're it's almost here. We'll most definitely be posting about it uh, very soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I know I keep saying it. I'm a fanboy for this movie. I cannot wait to see what happens with it. Uh, HBO, WB, stop being cowards and give us a trailer already. Yes, it's set to release soon. Give us a trailer. We need it. Yeah, what, July 17th? I believe so. Something like that. Yeah, because it's right around my brother's birthday. So I want to say it's the 17th. So, yeah, give it to us. We want it. 
Yes, please. Mostly me. I want it right now. Just brighten your face. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. This is it. It's it's over. We're done. We're done speaking at your faces. Um, thank you so much for tuning in again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been fun, as usual. Yeah. I don't know how to end this kind of thing, so what I'm going to do is I'm holding this D20, and I'm going to roll it, and that's how your day is going to do. Let's see what happens. (laughs) It landed on a 20. You guys got a good day ahead of you. Great day. Thank you so much for listening to us. Um, We are now available to be listened to on all platforms as well, so like we really are super excited to be kind of branching out and expanding. Um, we really appreciate all the support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And before we go, um, like Ida just said that we are on all the different platforms. Um, I want to go on record, uh, publicly and say thank you to Ida for pushing that through. Um, uh, I didn't have the strength to do it the other week and, you just really, really stepped up and it really, really does mean a lot to me that you went and did that on your own. Oh yeah. I mean, I just, I'm so excited for this podcast. I have such a blast doing it with you. Thank you for involving me and this crazy project that just has been such a blast. Um, so yeah, I just, I know we're getting there. The ball is rolling and I want to make sure that we can be heard all over (laughs) everywhere. And hopefully once, uh, Alex is done fighting demons in another dimension, uh, they will also be on here, uh, soon. Hopefully that would be nice. Um, anyways, thank you guys. Thank you for all the love. Um, this has been geekly Biweekly. We will talk to you guys soon. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Talk with us. Tell us what you guys think. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Bye. Bye.